0: What number is this, Jim?
1: Zilch 173, a tribute to Michael Nesmith.
2: Zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast.
1: Welcome back to Zilch. I'm your host, Ken Mills. Today, we are looking back at the life of Michael Nesmith. It's with great sadness that we do this episode, just like we did for any of the tributes to Davy or the tributes to Peter. But here we are. And I'm glad to be with you, and I'm glad that we are all together in this. We all lost somebody. So my condolences to everybody that loved Michael Nesmith as a fan, to those who loved him as a friend, and to those who loved him as family. It's hard to explain to someone who's not a Monkees fan what the Monkees mean to us, right? It's a very extraordinary scene. To those who don't understand, there's a song, Circle Sky, which is often about struggles, and today I'm using it to reflect on my tribe and my friends. Being a monkey's fan has not always been easy. Often you are mocked or marginalized over something that you liked. Keep in mind we could have hit it, but we refused. It is weird, even some of the voices calling for acceptance and all, still crap on what we have done. And I did mean to say we. I never recorded an album under the logo of the monkeys, but I enjoyed and shared and cared about this band. No movement, band, art, or intellectual property is only ever just about that one thing. At some point we become it, the thing we love. It becomes us as well. Michael Nesmith wrote in another song about a monkey's concert, and so much more, It cannot be a part of me, for now it's part of you. Reasoned verse, some prose or rhyme, lose themselves in other times. And waiting hopes cast silent spells that speak in clouded clues. It cannot be a part of me, for now it's part of you. Sunshine, ragtimes blowing in the breeze. Midnight looks right, standing more at ease. Silhouettes and figures stay, close to what he had to say. And one more time the faded dream is saddened by the news. It cannot be a part of me, for now it's part of you. That could have described a monkey's concert, a monkey's event, a convention, wherever we are. Monkey's fans have cast silent spells until we are all together again. Now we are not so silent. We willed the monkeys to return to us. We cast that spell several times in various incarnations with various incantations. We showed promoters, demoters, and companies that we were out there, and we made them come back to us time after time after time. Soon the physical will move on from all of us, but this will never leave us, this love that we have. It's not just music. It's not just a TV show. It is one another as well. Purple flowers, love, and wool hats, tambourines and ponchos, they will always be a part of us as we are part of each other. The monkeys stand in demand. They told us stories, they sang songs, and shared the smiles that have been part of our communal fireplace. And we were all brought together again. The show will go on in some form or another. For some, it is a rerun, for the very first time. Do I have to do this all over again? No, but I sure want to. We've lost Michael Nesmith. And for some, it's just a blurb on a TV channel. But for us, the tribe, the friends, all of us here with all of our pendants, T-shirts, and our buttons. Again, it's a very extraordinary scene to those who don't understand. But what you have seen, you must believe if you can. I and my friends, we are believers. To all my friends and all the makers of magic, thank you to those who have understood it with me. We will be known as we know, and I wish peace and love to you. Love is understanding, and this is something that we all need. We will all miss Michael Nesmith. We are missing him now. Today on Zilch, we have some people who worked with Michael Nesmith and that have been part of our shared journey. Today we pay tribute to a writer, An artist, a friend, a comedian, a producer, a musician, and just one of the coolest cats on the planet at times. He is the infinite writer on the big dogma. Thank you for all the music, the thought, and the fun. We dedicate this episode of Zilch to Michael Nesmith and those that loved him. That means you folks.
0: Michael Nesmith, a singer and guitarist for the famed band, The Monkees, died on Friday at the age of 78. His family confirmed the sad news to Rolling Stone, sharing in a statement, "'With infinite love, we announce that Michael Nesmith has passed away this morning in his home, surrounded by family, peacefully, and of natural causes. We ask that you respect our privacy at this time, and we thank you for the love and light that all of you have shown him and us.'" Michael's Monkees bandmate, Mickey Dolenz, who is now the last surviving member of the group, mourned his friend's loss he told NBC News in part in a statement, I'm heartbroken. I've lost a dear friend and partner. Michael and Mickey went on a monkeys farewell tour this fall, holding their final performance in Los Angeles less than one month ago. Mickey said of that time, I'm so grateful that we could spend the last couple of months together doing what we love best, singing, laughing, and doing shtick.' I'll miss it all so much, especially the shtick. Rest in peace, Nez. The monkeys were comprised of Michael, Mickey, Davy Jones, who died in 2012, and Peter Tork, who passed in 2019. The band got together for their 60s sitcom of the same name and were known for many hit songs. Michael wrote many songs for the Monkees, including The Girl I Knew Somewhere, Listen to the Band, and "Mary Mary." After the band first broke up, he was part of the country rock group The First National Band, which found fame for the hit song Joanne. And in 1981, he won the first-ever Grammy Award for Video of the Year.
3: Through the jungles of L.A. Hoping to promote a dream somewhere along the way. Rolling through the streets, looking for a disco and pissing up the trees from this kid named Cisco and trying to make connections. With their blemish-free complexion But just as fate would have it They ended up with Sunset Sam
4: <laughs> Sam
3: was selling watches from a suitcase on a TV tray And Lucy and Ramona we're trying to figure out if he was gay. <laughs> the three of them were standing, just staring at each other. When the light behind their eyes blew each other's cover. The ancient code was branded, and each of them was
4: handed a ticket to their kingdom, cause they saw their brother bloodsets.
1: John Billings is a friend of ours here at the show and a friend of mine as well. He shared many of his photos that he took with Michael throughout the years. And today I asked him to speak a little bit about Michael Nesmith and some of his thoughts and what he will remember when he thinks about Michael
5: Nesmith. John Billings. Hey, this is John Billings. And I've been asked to say a few words about Michael Nesmith. And recently we lost uh, our leader, our bandmate, our, our buddy on the road, Mr. Michael Nesmith, or Nez. Um, right now, we're just sending out thoughts to his family, to Christian, to Jonathan, Jessica, Jason. Uh, he's got grandkids. He's got people that cared for him up at his home. He's got his, you know, the people that worked at Video Ranch, you know, people that were with him every day. And our thoughts and our prayers go out to him. I think some of the best memories I had of Michael were uh, in rehearsals. We always had a little bit of fun. And um, I think uh, another factoid I could I could espouse on was uh, his love of fried chicken. <laughs> so we would have a lot of fried chicken uh, around, and that was a uh, I like fried chicken, so I was good with that. Uh, Popeyes I think was what was always on the menu, um, but he was a lot of fun. He enjoyed having his family around, which being a dad and a granddad, myself I love that. I like I like that part of uh, of him as well. And, um, on this last tour, we did have a lot of family out with them. Jonathan and Susan were out quite a bit. Jessica came out to a couple of shows. Uh, Jason and his whole crew came out to the last show. And of course, Christian and Cersei were out, uh, for a big part of the tour. And he just loved having, you know, his people around him. And I can completely understand that. Uh, it'd be a fantasy of mine to have my whole family out on the road. Um, that would be really cool. Another great memory I have of Michael was, uh, he had brought his uh, he brought his Tesla to rehearsal one time. He drove it down uh, from his home up in Monterey, and um, I was just I think I was just commenting to him about it like Wow, it looks like a really cool car. I've never been in one." And he said, "Well, would you like to check it out?" And uh, I said, "Yeah, let's go check it out." So we climbed in his car. He put me in the driver's seat, and he said, "Let's just go for a ride." And I wasn't about to say no. That's the first time I've ever been in a Tesla, much less drove one. So we went up the street, and of course, he's got to uh, show me, you know, from dead stop to just how it feels in that car. And uh, we were at a stoplight, and he said, Go ahead and put it to the floor. And uh, I have never experienced acceleration like that in my life. Um, but that was a lot of fun. And he I think he got a kick out of me getting such a kick out of it. Um, Nez was um, was an icon to so many people. I think recently the thing that really struck me that I saw on Facebook was Rodney Crowell. If you haven't seen that, um, go look at Rodney Crowell's Facebook page and read his his last moments that he spent with Let Nez in Minneapolis. And that was completely <laughs> was completely a surprise. A, a good buddy of mine works for Rodney. And we connected in Minneapolis, and he he said, hey, Rodney wants to see Nez. They're old, they're old friends. And um, I didn't think it happened. I had let our our tour manager know. I let Nez know. But, you know, Nez was not the – he wasn't in the kind of condition that he could just jump in a car and go see somebody. He was really having to to conserve his energy before a show. And I just kind of figured it didn't ever happen. And lo and behold, on Rodney's Facebook page, there's a picture of him and Nez on the bus. And he just said some really sweet words. And I mean, Rodney himself is kind of an icon here in Nashville. So to hear him talk about Nesmith uh, was was really amazing. It was really cool. Also on his last big run uh, all the way up to the Greek, he was very cool about letting me take some candid photos, uh, behind the scenes stuff backstage, nothing set up. I think a couple of times I took some, some photographs of him and uh, family members that were kind of and you would call you would call preset, but for the most part, it was just I'd have my camera with me everywhere I went, and I'd snap a shot here and there and just some you know stuff of us all backstage hanging out getting ready for the show or sometimes during the show or <laughs> after the show, but he was very cool about that and um he was also very cool about us you know hamming it up with him. um Dan Mapp would grab my camera and take a picture of me and Nez every now and then it was a lot of fun it was really cool and um. Uh, I'm glad he got to do this last big run. He had the time of his life. Um, make no mistake about that. I think that's kind of how he wanted to close out that chapter of his life. And he certainly did. Um, we had such a great time and it was, um, I owe that guy so much for, for making this last trip happen. Cause I, I'm sure he probably physically didn't feel like being there all the time, but, um, man, he did. He show up and, and show us all what he could do. Um, Michael was wonderful and, and seeing him every day, get up and do the best possible job he could do was a real inspiration. And, um, frankly, we were all worried about him every day and every day he got up on that stage and he sang, he sang his heart out. Um, he was great. He really was great. And, um, I'm just really glad that he's not in pain anymore and, uh, well, he's in a lot better place than we all are. That's for sure. Cheers, Michael. We'll be seeing you on the other side.
1: Was Michael and the Monkeys with Sweet Young Thing with Peter Torque on banjo. Mickey on the Cajon. A great moment. Up next is Alex Jules. He's a keyboard player of the Monkeys. And he also worked with the first national band Redux. And I asked him to speak about his time with Michael Nesmith and his thoughts on him.
2: Alex Jules here a touring member of the Monkees and the first national band Redux. Uh, I was asked to share uh, some of my thoughts and memories about Michael Nesmith, who I will almost certainly refer to as Nez while I'm speaking. Uh, He was a really special guy. Uh, Always wanted to find a way to make the music meaningful and fun. Uh he was always looking for deeper meaning uh you know digging below the surface, not just let's get out there and play the song that wasn't enough it needed to it needed to have uh it needed to have weight to it. He set a very high bar for himself uh to get on the stage i mean I, I can remember him always asking, you know, is this Beatles' level? He wanted to know if this was you know that was that was his gold standard, just like mine, coincidentally, is you know we're we him and Mickey singing like John and Paul, and I mean, we don't know what that would have sounded like at, at that age, but I think he knew when they were hitting it. He really loved musicians. he loved having a band. He was the happiest I ever saw him when uh, when the band was super tight and locked in and uh. He would just turn around with a big smile on his face and just uh, just loved it. He would just love it. Super complimentary. Really made all the musicians feel really good to to be up there, and would let them know when he noticed what a great show someone had. If you know a particular person was just on fire that night, he he would let them know, and he he really wanted us in the band to to go out on a ledge. He wanted us, you know, teetering and about to fall off into the abyss. And he was okay with us making mistakes, but he just wanted to have that sort of energy where it was just, you know, you were willing to go out and, and try things. And, uh, well, I maybe did that sometimes and maybe other times, uh, you know, it was a little too close to the edge for me, but... It was a fun way to, to play, for sure. He really loved his fans. I can remember several times, uh, you know, there would be a fan or several fans or whatever it was, waiting outside backstage by the buses, whatever. And, you know, these wouldn't, it wouldn't be someone I knew. Um, but there were a handful of times over the years I toured with him where, you know, there would be people who were so excited that Nez was... was uh back out and on tour and playing because he hadn't been and when I got the sense it was someone who was really genuinely excited to uh to know he was there and see the show uh, there were a couple of times I'd bring a picture or whatever they had back for him to sign which was hard I mean that was a hard thing to get if you were a Monkees fan for all those years and you know I'd I'd bring it back and he'd uh I'd be like hey Naz, you know can you sign this and he'd say, you know, well, is this a friend of yours? And I'd say, well, n- n- no, uh, you know, it's a fan. And They go, well, are they are they going to sell it on the internet? And I'd say, I mean, I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that well, I I brought it here because I wasn't getting that vibe. And he'd go, all right. And he'd sign it. You know, it was always uh, that simple. And uh, you know, maybe he just trusted my uh, my. Uh, pre-scoping of uh whoever it was you know to bring back but uh anyway maybe some of that stuff is on the internet who knows he was just a weird funny brilliant spontaneous guy just a lot of fun to be around really (laughs) never knew some of the absolutely crazy shit he was gonna say and sometimes he would say it and you know Whoever was sitting around, we'd start cracking up because it was just just the most insane thing you, you'd ever heard. And, and, like, he'd sort of give you a look. Like, he didn't even realize how funny or nuts it was. And then he'd just crack up, too, because, you know, then he knew. Also, he had the best weed. That's really uh, worth noting. And I think he was proud of that. And uh, damn. Damn. He really did have the best weed. I don't know where he got it, what he was doing, but uh, <laughs> he loved that too, you know? And I just, uh, I really appreciate the time I got to spend with him and the friendship I got to have with him and the music I got to play with him, and I will always miss him. Love you,
1: Up next, we're going to play a song with Alex Jules. It is his version of Tapioca Tundra, with Alex Jules on vocals, keyboards, and acoustic guitars, Amin Zaroukian on 12-string acoustic guitar and electric guitar, and Benjamin LaCourt on drums and percussion. In tribute to Nez, here is a version of Tapioca Tundra. We welcome monkeys' historian and tour manager for the monkeys, and so much more, Andrew Sandoval de Zilch. We come together to talk about Michael Nesmith today, and you—you you had a unique way of seeing things, both from your vantage as a fan and someone who became a working professional with them. Uh, Michael passed away recently, and I know that there was an interview that you did with. Variety in which you said he died knowing they were beloved, he finally got it. What did you mean by that because I think that that is something that fans need to to hear
6: well pretty that was pretty literal um how I felt in that interview was actually done the day that Michael died uh, and and I was grateful that variety published that interview because it was not anything I had contemplated in my mind. Um, you know, at all. I thought that they were honestly talking to me. They were going to talk to me for about, you know, 25 minutes and pull one little snippet that I said out and then, you know, use it in a bigger piece because there are a lot of other more important people who need to talk about Michael Nesmith. And instead they published a whole interview with me, which I, I was kind of really um, touched by because um I felt that I got to say a lot of what I wanted to say without having to say it over and over again. I know that there's a real problem in communication in the fan world. Um, No matter how many times you say something, sometimes it it never gets through in the translation. And also, um, you know, it's never enough, whatever you say. Mm -hmm. So having said all that, uh, it means that Michael did come to an understanding about the monkeys that I felt – in the 30 years that I knew him, was different. Um, As far as he told me one-on-one in his living room that he'd come to appreciate the Monkees' music. And I think certainly what Monkees fans saw in this last tour was that he'd always shown an appreciation towards the fans, but I think he'd also shown a bit of a distance, but that was just the kind of person he was. I mean, all human beings are built differently. We're not all... Davy Jones and can't all be you know rubbing shoulders and, with the people uh, and be so great at it like he was or you know be as anxious as Peter was when people took flash photography of him or you know have the have the detached sort of you know professionalism of Mickey Dolenz make you know Michael all four of them I think why we love them so much as the monkeys was because they're all so different they're all different components of of a personality and and Michael um it distressed me over the years how fans really were brutal with him that he had ignored the monkeys while Davey was alive and all this other stuff which is just not the truth um you know it, it's like why didn't your brothers and sisters all get together for thanksgiving every single year of your life you know it's everybody has their life and everybody does different things and and you know we all have comings and goings and and love and and hate and and indifference but Michael really loved the monkeys and his fans. This tour was really done as a, a tribute to him in a way. It was something he really wanted, and we all pitched in to make it happen for him. It was a lot of grief to do this tour in this climate. And um, I also felt that it was done for, for the fans, a, a final connection with him, and he really connected. And I think also Mickey uh, showed a lot of gratitude, too. There was always a thing online, people were like, they didn't mention Davey once. They didn't, you know, like as though these guys had made this conscious decision to, to leave out somebody that was important in their life. And it was never like that at all. They, you know, when, when they would get on stage before a show, we'd discuss, okay, well, we're going to have this song or that song or do that. And then all of a sudden – They'd mess up the set list or they'd forget to say what they had rehearsed or whatever else. They're the monkeys. That's their thing. But fans took it so personally whenever there was any perceived slight or any uh, you know, lack of this or that. I, but I think on this last tour, they got it right. They finally, Michael and Mickey, finally got to connect with fans directly on what their experience was and show their gratitude. And, and that was really beautiful and, and, and a lovely thing because we went – we went a far way and risked our lives to go and do this. And, uh, and the fans did the same thing. So, so, you know, thank you to everybody who took part in it. But it was a really beautiful thing. Uh, and, uh, and that's what I meant by it. Very good.
1: I know that you relate a story in the article where you talk about how you showed him a new version of the first Monkees album. And he said, this is really beautiful. The people who love this are really going to love this. And that really struck a note with me. Uh, And I think that we as fans could see this happening over the last few years a little at a time, right? I mean, the fact that he came back for good times even and a bunch of stuff like that. But um, Michael kind of lived on his own terms and he also passed that way, wouldn't you say? I mean, he he was in the hospital and wanted to go home.
6: Right. Yeah, completely. He lived completely on, on his own terms. I, I, I was telling somebody the other day, it was, I think nine times out of 10, he got his, his way. And uh, maybe that statistic isn't even accurate. Maybe it was more than nine times out of 10. Um, we all saw what happened when he, when things didn't go his way, you know, he would, he would walk off. And and I think that he didn't walk off from the monkeys thing so much in the last 10 years because you know, he finally found a piece in it and a place where he could feel uh, creative and safe. And it was me showing him that, that run-out groove version of the album and and his reaction. But it, it really struck me that my first real connection with him, you know, I first interviewed him in 1991 and then um, sporadically talked with him up until about 94 when Rhino purchased the Monkees catalog. Mm-hmm. It was at that time that he and I did our first really in-depth interviews and they were really uh, predicated on the fact that when he got the first three reissues, which I think were monkeys um, changes in birds species and the monkeys, he was really blown away by the packaging and the liner notes. And so he said, I want I want to help you. I want to be in on this now, because what you're doing is you're elevating the monkeys. And I like that. I like what you're doing. And so he opened his door to me and he invited me. He was doing a a television uh, performance on this um, Greg Kinnear show, um, which you can look it up on YouTube. I think it's out there. And he invited me to come and meet him in person and and spend some time with him before the show and just talk about stuff that was not part of the interview. I mean, we'd already been doing these interviews, but he wanted to really connect with me personally. And that was our first really, not just a fan meeting, but, you know, uh, hey, I like what you're doing and and let's, let's do stuff together. And I think that that sort of continued on. And it always struck me that it was the aesthetics of how the monkeys were presented that were very important to Michael. And, uh, you know, when he saw that it was elevated beyond just this ephemeral throwaway thing. Uh, he got excited about the possibilities because that was always his thing. I mean, headquarters is in a sense, just an elevation of what Kirshner and, and uh, all the, the, uh, you know, Schneider and Rafelson were doing. It just showed, Hey, you know, we could make, we have this great audience. We could make things just a little bit better. You know, we could do the thing ourselves and we could try harder with some of these songs and, and whatnot. And, he was right he was right let's talk a
1: little bit about the preparations for this last tour as everyone knows he had a serious heart issues and had a quadruple bypass surgery 3 years ago and then covid hits right and we're all in isolation and in many ways i think that let me put it this way not everyone has grown during this time it's it's been a tough time you know
6: <laughs> yeah I laugh because you're, you're so right, you know, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> but he had these pre-existing health conditions. And I know that there was a fear within the camp and rightly so. And thank you for taking care of the guys and everything uh, as far as COVID protocols and all that. But I know that he didn't show up for the first three days of rehearsals, right? Right. Uh, you want to speak on that a little bit about that?
6: trouble leaving the house mm-hmm. and i mean not just for fear of leaving the house but the preparations for it uh were tough on him and he wasn't feeling particularly great but he, he it would always come back to the thing of andrew i need to talk to you i was going to get in the car but i'm not feeling good and i said that's okay nez you don't have to come today oh really okay i said well just you know keep me posted and try and come down you know i'll sing your songs with mickey until you show up and we'll the band will be ready and we'll be ready for you when you come down, you know, I'll just keep it positive. Uh, and, and until he did show up and, uh, and you know, he was, he was about what I expect, because the thing is I had actually been going to visit him and spent a lot of time this last year, mm-hmm. which was really a, a blessing because, you know, we had some of our biggest laughs together of all the years this, this year telling stories to one another that we hadn't heard. And, and uh, it was a real joy to be in his home and um, to really connect with him on a much more personal level. But, you know, he was very, very, very limited in his mobility um, after the pandemic, because, you know, he couldn't go out much. And he was obviously a very privileged guy. I mean, he had, he had a wonderful staff of people around him taking care of him, and he was very well taken care of. But he didn't have to, you know, reach even further than his, his arm length to go grab a drink. People would be giving him one. So he never had to get up out of the egg chair. You know, that that's the thing. So he really did want to go on tour, but he didn't necessarily want to do a lot of working out. And we tried to tried to talk to people about, you know, he was going to do Pilates and he was going to do this and that. And it just, it, you know, the time just ran out for it. But he so wanted to connect and go on tour and he wanted to go on tour before it was even safe to go on tour. You know, he wanted to do other shows and I just had to keep saying, Hey, it's just the world's just not ready yet. It's not you. It's, it's, you know, society is just not ready for this. It's not, it's not gonna, it's not going to go well. And, you know, we got out there just as the Delta variant was kind of dying down a bit. And obviously before this new Omicron, uh, rise or relapse or whatever you want to call it. Um, We got in in this this little window that we had, and uh, we we existed in that window, and it was... uh, It was amazing. It was amazing timing, but it was, you know, I couldn't have planned any of it, honestly. Uh, It was just miraculous, that's all I can say. Um, And people got to see Michael, and Michael got to see people, and he got to see a lot of his his old friends and and some of his family too. So what she'd been kind of cut off from because, you know, for health and safety reasons. So, um, it was, it was really a a journey and, and, um, and a worthwhile one. Uh, but you know, would I have wanted some more time with them? Yes, for sure. And I, I don't know, honestly, all of his health issues because to me, That was always a private matter and a personal matter that I would only ask what I felt was appropriate. Mm
1: -hmm. A lot of fans are hurting right now. We have all lost someone, but this was a family member
6: to someone,
1: whereas most of us only knew them as fans. But we've all lost someone.
6: Right. Yeah, completely. Because they feel a certain ownership over the monkeys and the individual monkeys, and they feel that their identities are wrapped up in these guys. And seeing them leave us is an extraordinarily tough thing. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, you could say, oh, this is my friend or this is my friend from television or whatever. But, you know, these relationships that we have with them that go beyond just, uh, you know, a passing uh, a passing channel flip is, uh, is something that defines our lives, too. You know, the various markers in our lives. I've seen so many wonderful letters from people, you know. I, you know, had my first concert with the monkeys, I took my kids to see the monkeys, or, you know, this, you know, when I got married, our first dance was to this song or whatever. You know, the monkeys have provided the soundtrack and the events to to mark our own lives. And uh, and I think Michael picked up on that finally. Um, you know, if there was any disappointment in his life, I think it might have been that uh, I feel his solo career is still a little undervalued by comparison. And, uh, you know, I did this radio show recently to try and uh, try and show people, expose people a little bit more to the, the love that I have uh, and the love that I've gotten from a lot of his post-Monkey's music.
1: Andrew, you speak about the truth that sometimes fans don't always understand things or uh, realize that they're dealing with real people. And we try to stress all the time on the Zilch Facebook page that There are real people reading these things. So when you're talking about someone who's in a band, you're speaking about somebody's father or brother or whatever, you know, the situation is, is somebody that, that has real people that are being discussed. Right. And when I did my first interview with Nez, I got the idea that he had kind of scoped me out a little bit. Uh And he asked me how I handled dealing with some of the things that people would say to me as an admin of the board. You know what I mean? Right. And I said, well, I don't know what's going on in that particular person's head. And he said, you never really understand what is going on with other people. You can't take their reactions personal. Yeah, And I know that when the first, couple shows happened there was some reaction online and the fact that the critics were kind of pointing out areas that he wasn't really strong in i know that it affected michael greatly to the point that he contacted you could you tell folks a little bit about that
6: yeah i mean the majority of the fans have been really truly wonderful and that's you know that's that sometimes isn't acknowledged enough i mean and and i want to acknowledge it now because you know, um, as tough a year as this has been, the fans made it better by their support, uh, certainly of the concert tour and also of my book project, which I'm very grateful for. You know, I have a lot of friends around the country, and I made a lot of them through the monkeys. And, uh, and and you know, going on tour these last ten years, I got to see a lot of people, and it was really wonderful. But in this tour, I warned everybody in the tour and also the people around the country, my friends, hey. I can't hang out with you this time out because of our protocols. We want to keep everybody safe. And if the tour goes down and it's down to me, I'm going to regret it for my entire life pretty much. So, um, and if somebody gets really sick, gosh, I don't even know how I would live with myself. So, most people understood that. And then people would still write to me with requests like, hey, I, I, I see the monkeys are coming to town. Uh, love to hang out with you. You know, uh, wh- what's going on? And I would write to them and say, you know, It's great to hear from you. I can get you on the guest list if you'd like to come and see the show, but I have to tell you that I can only wave to you from the soundboard and maybe say a quick hello at a distance, and there's no backstage for anybody, and there's no after show for anybody, And but you're welcome to come and see the show as my guest, you, you and a friend. And nine times out of 10, I'm using that statistic again, they'd say, oh, no thanks. And I was just shocked. If if they couldn't go and hang out and take a selfie with the monkeys backstage and put it online and show that they were somehow in,
1: they weren't going to come to the show. Well, it was sad that, you know, critics once again uh, kind of having it in for the monkeys, you know, talking about how maybe he shouldn't have been up there. And I think the audience actually
6: gave him energy.
1: And I think he really fed off that. Right.
6: And that was the thing. it was it was sort of like the tour got better. He had a chance to prove himself. He got back his mobility. you know, he he got to show the reason why he wanted to leave the house. and uh, and I think it was proven. He had something to prove. and And uh, you know, that was that. It was tough. It was a really tough tour. And when it was over, I was glad it was over.
1: If I could have given Michael any advice during that time, it would have been his own words that, uh, you know, those people are going through their own thing, right?
6: Right. He needed any kind of glimmer of light or support that he could get. And he was coming to us, uh, both the band and the crew and his fans, in hopes that we could make him feel better. He was actually reaching out to us by doing that tour and that's why I stuck with it in hard times. I saw that his needs were, were important and valid. And I thought that when he made that connection with people, that it would be worthwhile. And, and it was. Well,
1: there's, there's something that like uh, I want to speak to just a little bit about. And any of the artists that are aging, like I've read outright mean things saying that Phil Collins shouldn't be on tour uh, and all these things like it. It seems like we only want, artists at this point that are 100%, you know, full of life and virile and all that. But the fact of the matter is, is that Michael got to, again, do this on his own terms. Right. And he actually got better, not worse. And it was fantastic seeing him bloom. Not only that, but to see him singing on, I'm a believer as a fan, it, it was a weird, uncomfortable coolness. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it would seem like when it came time for some backups on songs that he might have thought were for the monkeys period only, that he wouldn't get in it. And he was just like, hey, Mick, let me in on this. (laughs) It was, it was kind of a beautiful thing to see happen. And I got to see the tour on YouTube as it progressed, right. As we all can do now. And uh, it was wonderful to see him come back to life. And that moment when he did while I cry and that story, it made me think of that time that he said, you never know what other people are going through. Right. And it's, it's just, he brought that, onto the stage in that vulnerability. And I'm so glad that he got to, again, live on his own terms. And I think fans need to be really aware of this. Do you feel that this last tour was more for him then or more for the fans? How would you answer that?
6: Um, I think it was equal. I think it was equal parts. I mean, he wanted in on the monkeys party. I mean, with the fans, he wanted to finally, really really be there with everybody. I mean he had, he had dipped his toe in many times coming back and you know he did the tour in England for justice and stuff like that. But I think this was the time where he finally said, you know, I get where I get what the fans love about this and I get the fun of this. And you know, he was doing a lot of Princess Gwen. You know, he was doing a lot of a lot more comedy stuff on stage too. You know, the shows were so variable as far as the the whatever he did was not at all uh, a a night to night thing it would it would go off into all different directions it was a lot of variability uh, with with what the performances were and what he would say and and that there was something really wonderful to that too um, but yeah he you know I, I think that i think it had to be for both i mean you know if the fans hadn't shown up this would have been a disaster um mm-hmm. you know and what the people at the venues were telling me across the country was We're surprised how many people have come to this because, you know, like a lot of other artists, we sold these tickets when the vaccine came out and people were like, "Okay, well, I'll be safe. I'll be able to go to this thing. And then when the Delta variant hit, people thought, I I don't know if I can go and I don't know if I am safe. and, And that was valid. And also I had to look at certain places where they couldn't enforce any kind of restrictions on anybody and i had to say well it's just not safe for us to go there unfortunately as much as we love the people in that area and the fans and and we feel bad about it and then other venues said hey we can't operate we can't we just can't have you here it's just not possible so we had to take those those cancellations too and what the venues were telling me was that a lot of the acts that were coming through Uh, before and after the monkeys they were seeing about 25 to 30 percent of the audience who had tickets who never got refunds they just didn't show up at all because on the day of or night of they were like you know what i can't make it and with the monkeys we were we were seeing attendance where only about 10 percent of the people weren't coming um people who want to be there really want to be there and you know they were taking a risk to a certain extent i guess uh, to do it. I certainly was. I was out in the audience every night, um, you know, so it, it was a thing where I think both parties wanted to be there. Michael really wanted to be there. Mickey wanted to be there to be with Michael and the band and crew want to be there to be with the guys and, and to do this tour. And the audiences really showed up, you know, and um, and it was a beautiful thing. It it really seemed
1: like he gained a lot of strength and fed off the audience while he was performing. He started out the tour where he was only able to perform sitting down. Then he evolved to being able to use a cane and standing up. And then he was up for most of the shows. And as I said, you, we got to see him interact in ways that he never would have before. And for the guy who's always been the serious monkey, right? right. <laughs> Same with George Harrison. He's the serious Beatle, but. Both of those guys had tremendous senses of humor. I remember in St. Louis when he just stuck his head through a curtain and went, and everybody was like, did we just see it? And he did it again, just to prove that, yeah, that was me. You know, it was, it was interesting. We've seen the monkeys uh, get a better appreciation among the rock and roll snobs, if you will, over the last few years, over the last five to seven years. Right. And in that same way, how do you think that Michael's legacy and art and music are going to be looked at now?
6: Well, it's going to be ever-changing. I think it changes with the generations. And as the people who were the original wave of uh, of critics and fans, um, you know, they they pass on. Uh, the younger folks will, you know, have have their association. And then, you know, we have to look to the people who are younger than us and how they take the monkeys in and, and carrying on that tradition. And that was something that Michael and Mickey talked about on the tour, uh, that, that the monkeys music, these are Michael's words was something worth passing on to your loved ones. And, and how do we express that on stage? You know, what are, what are the words we say, you know, and, 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 and that was that, cause that was his feeling, uh, on this tour. And I think that, it's the same thing with the online critics, uh, uh, you know, within the fan group, the people who say they're the fans of the monkeys, who who are still, you know, I love the monkeys, but I only love Davy, or I only love, you know, I only love Peter, or I only love this or that, or you know, uh, I love them when they did this, but now I don't love them. Um, you know, you you can't you can't just. Unequivocally say that it's all bad or all good, but I I think that the critics are the same way. You don't know what they're going through, or, or what their base baseline is that they're judging the monkeys' music or the phenomena against. They just, you know, these are people who just never got it and they missed out on a lot. I feel sorry for them.
1: Absolutely. What do you feel about the importance of the Greek everything? wound up at the Greek, right? See you at the Greek. And, um, can we talk a little bit about the importance of the Greek to the monkeys fans?
6: Yeah. You know, it was the last show on the schedule, but it wasn't meant to be as symbolic, but, uh, as, as it, you know, as the symbolism that it will have taken on now with Michael's passing and that it was his last ever public performance, um, you know, in much the same way the Pantages theater was the last time that, uh, Michael, Peter, and Mickey ever were on stage together. Uh, You know, those were both incredible shows in different respects. Um, But the Greek theater had loomed large in their history because in 1986, it was the first place that Michael had rejoined the other three monkeys to do the encores of Listen to the Band and Pleasant Valley Sunday. And then, you know, in subsequent years, when uh, the monkeys hit L.A., like in 2012, you know, they were presented with gold records there. And, you know, Michael just appreciated it was the hometown thing. I mean, as much as he was from Texas, you know, L.A. and California were his home places. And I think that, you know, it was his wish. <laughs> I know we were on tour once and we had been around the country. That we start out in California like we usually do and go around the country. And when we first hit back into California, I said, boy, it feels good to be back in California. He goes, oh, you and me both. You know, the, California is my home. This is, you know, this is this is my place. So, um, so I think that there was that uh, that aspect to it. But um, I don't know. I, it, you know, it just everything happened for some sort of reason, and I guess it was all meant to end at the Greek.
1: Yes, it uh, it seems so were there any projects that may have been in progress that you can speak on?
6: Well, you know not really, and I think that I would be grateful if people keep <laughs> me alone for for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like, well, Michael's dead, but when is uh headquarters the uh, super deluxe coming out and when can we get this and when can we it's like you know guys and girls and everybody out there, space aliens, just give it a beat. we need to all take a break it's been an insane year i spent a year doing the book and i went straight into the tour because the book got so delayed in the in the production and i just it's not that um it's not that i don't want to do those projects but i have no control over them and and neither do the fans you know rhino only really want to do about one monkey's project a year and they don't necessarily want to do the ones that i want to do or or the ones the fans want to do they you know, they did uh, Pisces Aquarius Final and um I had I don't know what tape they used or if they used a tape. I don't know what the production standards of it are. I haven't even seen a copy, to be honest. But it's not to say it's bad. It's just that, you know, that's for a different audience. And but the audience that I, you know, feel that I'm making stuff for is the one that wants, you know, interesting new material or something done and upgraded in some way. And of those sorts of things. You know, Rhino or they put out a lot of music by a lot of different people, and The Monkees is just one tiny little thing in their catalog, and they treat it as such. You know, it's it's not treated with the same weight as Led Zeppelin or The Doors or uh, Frank Sinatra or any of these other things. I'd always hoped it would be, but it just never will be. They're just never going to see it like I do. So, you know, we just have to respect that they're the actual owners of the material they paid millions of dollars for it and they get to do with it what they want and that's that's my feeling about it too uh, i don't feel any ownership over the monkeys like uh, you know uh, other people do I, even though i'm a fan of theirs and have been a champion I, I i acknowledge rhino's ownership of the monkeys and i just feel as though you know you, you have to you have to give them some time and space to to find it when they want to do something and we're in that place right now. Rhino are not interested in doing any super deluxe box set or putting out a cheap version of the Blu-rays or any of these things that are fantasies for people. It's just the way it is. But it could change. Everything changes. And it could change in January, February, or March, or January, February, March of a year from now. We're monkeys fans, we gotta be patient. It's a long, long trip. Well, I appreciate
1: you taking some time today to speak to us about this. I know you were aware that he was ill before his passing. Could you speak on that a little?
6: Not really, uh, and and I'm happy for you to let people know that, because I don't have that much more information than what I've shared. And to be honest, I was in Europe uh, when I was alerted to the fact that he was in the hospital, and then I was uh, I was checking on his status. Uh, as much as I could, and then I was alerted that he was going home and he would be passing. Um but that's pretty much the most of what I can share. Uh, and and i've and I've shared it with you know elsewhere, but I, I i don't I don't really have much more. I think that that's really the family's place uh, to to share uh, any other details. Um, and uh, I respect the family and uh, and I respect Michael.
1: absolutely. The last two questions, and I'm going to bundle them up for you. What is Michael's legacy and what is your favorite Michael Nesmith album? uh, And where should a casual Monkees fan start? Because just because you're crazy about the Monkees doesn't mean you followed everybody in their respective solo or other band careers, right? Right. I know that right now his legacy and his music are being appreciated by so many more people. And it's been fantastic. I feel for the people at Video Ranch, they've been having to make calls to people saying, look, you ordered an autographed thing. We still have some autographed 8x10s. Is that okay? We'll send that with what you ordered and things like that. So the people at Video Ranch, thank you for having care and taking uh, the time to do that. I just want to say that right now because I know that they're going through a rough time.
6: And he absolutely adored his connection to fans through Video Ranch as far as being able to sell his own wares directly and not through uh, another company. Um, so he he really appreciated and, and put a lot of money into keeping that going um, over the years. And uh, so it's, it's nice that, you know, even posthumously people are still wanting to buy his music and show their appreciation. Mm-hmm.
4: smile that covers
3: teardrops the way your head yields to your heart the things you kept inside that most girls
4: could not bear
1: So what is Michael's legacy and where would you recommend that a casual
6: Monkeys fan start? Well, it's tough. I can't really wrap up Michael's legacy in, in just a couple sentences. You know, he, he did so many different things. And even to say that's kind of a cop out because, you know, I look at his, his life and his career in such a different way. I've minutely gone into his pre Monkeys years when he was a folk singer and, you know, trying to get out and, and out there in the world with his songs and then writing original songs. I mean, I, I love to think of him as a singer songwriter, but he also had a passion for motor vehicles and, uh, and movie production and television and horticulture and uh, food and all kinds of other things. You know, he was a, if you want to talk to him about other things besides the monkeys, you had a lot to talk about usually. So, um, you know, where do you start with Michael's solo non-Monkey's music? Well, I, I really think that the trilogy, the First National Band records, Magnetic South, Loose Salute, and Nevada Fighter are fantastic places to start because if you were a Monkey's fan and you heard a number of these songs sprinkled on the Monkey's records as as bonus tracks and the reissues I did over the years, Nine Times Blue and Calico Girlfriend and Little Red Rider and all those sorts of things. You have your gateway there. But as far as my favorite Michael Nesma solo record, it's the And the Hits Just Keep On Coming, which is just really him on guitar and Red Roads on pedal steel uh, guitar and it is a songbook album and has some of his best love songs on it, including Different Drum, uh, his version of it. And it's, uh, it was the result of the fact that RCA didn't want to spend any more money. That's why they called it and the hits just keep on coming because there were no hit singles off of, off of his other records, the three previous records after the first album with Joanne. So they are like, you know, you can make another album, but you've used up all your advances and, uh, you know, we'll give you so much studio time. So he thought, well, I can't hire a band. I'll just go in with Red and I'll do some of my best songs. And I, I, I think the purity of what he was doing on that record is uh, and simplicity. I, I think that that you get right to the heart of who Michael Nesmith was. The adornments are only just some overdubs he did of percussion and some uh, light keyboards and stuff and extra pedal steel and extra guitars. But it's it's really, you know, it's a perfect encapsulation of of who he was as a songwriter to me, uh, without all of the 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 side business that he he indulged in at different times of you know i'm going to make a country record i'm going to make a electronica record i'm going to make a you know this kind of record or that rock record or whatever this is just the guy the voice the guitar you know uh and 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 that to me that's the album that is michael nesmith
1: you said uh in the variety interview your quoted is saying i'm kind of sad that there's just never enough really you know and that's not a really poignant uh, quote, if you will, but it sums up so much that so many fans feel and think that it's it's never enough. That's how much we love the music and everything that came with it. Um, silly question, but what's your favorite Michael Nesma song?
6: Yeah, I don't know if I have one, but speaking to what you just said, I, I think that, you know, it's never enough because... We need these little things to keep us going, you know, and um, obviously we can get by without Michael, but it's going to be harder, you know, and and what he was bringing to all of our lives was something really special, and what he brought to our lives was really special. So we have to just look back on uh, on what he gave us, and there's a lot there that we still have yet to discover, and, and me included, you know, I'm... Looking at some of his later records and been listening to some of those and and there's a lot of still undiscovered material and and there's even you know stuff from before the monkeys that I'm still finding out about um, and you know and that's a wonderful journey I, you know as I look at having completed my book um, this this last year uh, I've been sort of like well. Lamenting that whenever I see a new newspaper article from the period or whatever, it's like, damn, this isn't in my book or you know whatever. There's not a lot. There is some stuff I found out about after the book, but you know, my journey of research and stuff will continue just as a personal one. And uh, you know, I have other books planned uh, for the future, so I'll continue doing books uh, and certainly some about the monkeys uh, or relating to the monkeys. But um, you know, it's 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 a subject and a topic. You know, you have a whole podcast devoted and you've done how many episodes? You know, you'd think the monkeys is, you know, for a lot of people, it's like a one or two podcast episode thing and over with. But for us, it's a lifetime of music and enjoyment and entertainment. And I think that's beautiful. And it's beautiful to acknowledge. And I appreciate everything that you and everybody who contributes to Zilch has done over the years to keep it alive.
1: Well, we appreciate you as well. Uh, I guess that I will just underline once again that Michael passed as he lived on his terms at home with his family and in peace. It was the way that he did his art on his terms and the way he lived his life on his terms. And I think that he was a constant explorer. Uh, I think Peter Tork was in the same way, uh, trying to find out what was beyond and their own beliefs and their own values and lives it was all on their terms and michael is all on his terms that's really what i can say
6: yeah not a bad thing i'll be thinking about him for the rest of my life for sure
1: and as the song goes i'll remember you yes well thank you for joining us today andrew i appreciate you and i just want you to know that
6: i appreciate you too ken i hope you're feeling okay and i want you to stay well you know
1: i'm doing well you know i got to see michael come from sitting down to standing with a cane to not needing the cane. I've been on that journey. I've yeah. been on that journey and uh, hope to keep moving forward just like he did. Uh, and uh, thank you for your well wishes. And uh, we respect you very much. And uh, just thank you once again. And here's to a great 2022.
6: Here's to that. And, and here's to, you know, new experiences and new things that will surprise us in a happy way, you know?
1: Absolutely. And we'll take all the good that we can get.
6: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right.
1: Thank you so much. And I really do respect you. And I know that I make people feel awkward. Or I'm going to say this next thing, but you're going to hear it anyway. I love you and I want nothing but the best for you.
6: I-, I love you too, Ken. And I want the best for you too. So take care. And it was really good to hear your voice today. I'm, I really hope that this podcast brings a lot of, uh, you know, uh, closure and happiness to the people who need it. Cause I, I feel like, there is that need out there right now. People need to need to feel um, something about Michael uh, other than questions. You know.
3: When we first got the show. I like, got the show. The show got us. But whatever happened, when we first all was assembled before us. You know, we played songs for each other, and we played. The stuff that he'd written and I sort of played the stuff that I'd written. And one of the things that I <clears throat> I brought up at the time was, you know, monkeys fans do not have single dimensions. So it'd be, it'd be a good idea <laughs> a good idea that we thought about them as a whole formed person and addressed them that way. And some nutbag said,
4: yeah. But they're all only twelve. <laughs>
3: I said, I know they're only 12. We're all only 12 once. But everybody has sat on the floor or whatever place of the basement on the crappy old long haired carpet <laughs> that and cried by itself. All by yourself, you're like, oh man, how did this happen to me? Um I said, monkeys fans cry. Why do you avoid it? We can sing to it. They need a place to put it. I need a place to put it if you don't mind. And let's just have these songs. Well, it was a lot of uphill battle, always. way. And if you listen to the records, you'll hear how they came and we'll store them and write little notes about them and on Facebook and all that stuff. But the important thing to me was I saw the depth of these songs that people were writing for us. And now there was so much to be mined, so much to be drawn from it that would heal. Now, that's a big word, but I use it advisedly because who needs more more healing than a 12-year-old? You, I'm 12. Oh, you <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? That's the worst time in life. And it's like, why didn't she call? Why didn't he come out and eat that car? it makes him look like a thug. And, and it becomes inconsolable. I was friend's house kid went off
4: on
3: him. I said, you know what? He was just going off on you because he didn't have any place to go. Find him a little story to tell and let him tell it. Let him sing it. I tried to write some of those songs. I'm sorry about the sucker, but my <laughs> so <clears throat> I thought, well, okay, you got your shot, do it. And I wrote a song called "While I Cry." <clears throat> As songs go, it ain't night and day, <laughs> but, but it's a noble effort. I'd like to sing it for you. See back at that moment with me now here's 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 the part of it that's a son of a bitch which is i can't make it all the way through this song without crying so oh stop so so when we get to the park where you would think i would ordinarily cry i do okay i needed the parking space so That's where we're going to go. But just remember, any tears that flow from this stage tonight, with Master Dolan's or me, these are authentic. We can cast aspersions all we want. But kids, this is the real stuff, as corny as it sounds. Great question. They told me what you'd do if I ever stayed with you. They told me that you'd laugh.
1: there's not too much to say except that we love michael nesmith we want to thank all the guys and all the people who made up the monkeys because it's more than just four guys and i'd like to close this show out with the end of a song from the first national band redux album thank you michael for the ride it was fun cruising with you love to you wherever you're out there we will remember you
3: Twice the size, the echoes distant to my goodbyes. I'll just mosey on. Thanks for the ride. Thanks the <laughs> Desert clearing forgotten miles. Right.
2: And that's our show. Zilch is an online non-profit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burt. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey
7: around.